0: All right. Well, hello, Redemption Tucson. Um, It's great to see you all here this Sunday together, and I'm excited for this time we have. Uh, My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and this morning we get to preach um, through this time together with a good friend, Gary Mabaker. So, um... Here in a moment, Gary, I'll just ask you to kind of introduce yourself and just share some about um, what you do and what you have done. And, um, you know, we as a church have been praying for the last couple of years that we would grow healthier And stronger and honestly I believe Gary and his wife Denise are are an answer to that prayer that as they've come the Lord has really blessed us in many fronts with um, just growing in strength and in health and um, I think we'll even get to get to kind of partake in some of that this morning Um, and so Gary with that will you just share a bit about um, again who you are and and what you do now and what you've kind of moved here what you had been doing
1: You bet. Well, my name is Gary, and my wife and I, Denise, moved here from Nebraska about two years ago now. For 19 years, I served at Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, first as professor of theology, then later as vice president of student services. I also served on staff of a church in Omaha and then a church in Mexico. Around 2013, Denise and I really sensed that God God was inviting us to do pastoral care for Christian leaders, soul care for Christian leaders. And so in 2013, Leader Care Online was created. And since 2013, we have been serving leaders worldwide and we wanted to come someplace warm to die <laughs> uh and we love tucson we've been here before and uh um, we're loving living here and people have welcomed us really so wonderfully so that's a bit about me
0: nice no that's great that's great um and, and you know your 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 influence has been significant in fact I, I think i'm even i've got some glasses like like yours there um can i see yours for to try, yeah, you can try them yeah um yeah, but, you better. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll, I'll stick to these. Stick so, to um, Gary and um, Outcast were actually the the influence for me. So, um, I also though, yeah. So you're you're in good company. Okay. Um, I forgot to share at the beginning there, Ice stutter, So it'll kind of come in and out. Um, I don't think you do, right, Gary? I don't. Just me. Okay. 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 So, um, but anyway, I do. So I just want to give you a a heads up on that. So as we dive into our time right now, Gary, will you go ahead and um, open us in in prayer?
1: Yes. Let's pray. Our loving Lord, we delight in the fact that your body is diverse and you created it this way to represent uh, you and what you want to do in the world through this great diversity and this wonderful body you call the church. Will you take these moments together and use them to do whatever you wish to do that will bring great glory to you But also, Lord, help us to learn more what it is to be a united body representing you in the world. Mm -hmm. We pray this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Um, Well, um, as we just saw in, um, in the Scripture reading... Pastor Phil um, read through a section of scripture in Romans chapter 14. And that's where Gary and I are going to spend the bulk of the time, and we're just going to kind of talk and go back and forth there. So I would encourage you to go ahead and turn there to, um, again, Romans chapter 14. And this is part two in a two-week series where we're talking about prioritizing unity and and love Mm -hmm. as God's people. So Mm -hmm. um, with that, Gary, will you just go ahead and kind of zoom out a bit? and help us understand what's going on in Romans 14 how does that fit into what else is going on in the whole book of Romans and then even there the whole breadth of scripture so yeah. help us understand where we're kind of where we're diving into this yes. morning well
1: this is this is an exciting thing to share because this fellow the apostle Paul he's a very uh, zealous Jew who Jesus gets a hold of one day and he says, You know, Paul, I want you to be my representative voice to the Gentile world. So Paul gets saved mm. and he's a brilliant guy. He's a scholar, you know, he knows his Old Testament. So he writes to this church at Rome, which consists of Jewish people who've converted to Christianity and Gentiles who've converted to Christianity. And the thing that's so wonderful about this epistle is it's his defense. Of the gospel. Mm. And one of the things we see uh, from Romans is it's a thick gospel. (laughs) It is a rich gospel. So it's not only how do do sinners get delivered from the penalty of sin, but also how do sinners get delivered from the power of sin. So in Romans, he talks about the thickness of the gospel, and how does it relate to how you how, how the church relates to Jewish people in general, you know Romans 9 through 11. And then in chapters 12 and 13, he talks about, okay, how do we live with one another? And then chapter 13, how do we live under government? And then with chapter 14 and 15, how do Christians live together, especially when they have deep disagreements hmm. about how to live, um, regarding things that maybe are more of a, a secondary or non-essential in, in nature. So, telescoping out, you know, and looking at the Bible, mm-hmm. Romans 14 and 15 really show us what biblical unity is all about. And I would describe biblical unity as the special work of the Holy Spirit that He does in churches to show the communal harmony um, of the people of God in such a way that they get a taste of God Himself. Wow. There's this beautiful picture that Christian unity shows to the world, but uh, you know it takes hard work. Mm. The Apostle Paul knew that the wheels could fall off of Christian unity at any minute. Mm. And so in, in Ephesians 4 he says, "...be diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." So. Uh, I think in the broad sweep of the Bible, uh, Romans 14, 15 gives us a, a small snapshot of what Christian unity looks like in real time. Wow.
0: No, that's big. And, and, and so on that note, like as I, as I read through this, um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in this, I, I tend to think of um, when I read through this, Chapter, and I see the the l- language use a lot of weak and strong. That's something that we we t- talked about some. Um, I I I always just assume. Well, of course, I'm the strong one mm-hmm. in this in this case, mm-hmm. right? Of course. And um, what is what does that mean here in this in this context? Who would be considered weak and strong? Mm-hmm. And and how should we view that? And mm-hmm. then even and I know as we write, like so, understand it here. Well, like you just did. And then how does that, how do we translate that or understand that in terms of thinking about ourselves and how we interact with yeah. with others? Yeah. Because um, it, it seems like it's connected to um, truth and opinions. Mm. And yeah. so so this idea of being weak as it relates to, weak or strong, as it relates to both Truth, and, and I know we'll, we'll kind of dive into that some more, but also to opinions, how do we how do we think about that?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's that's the kinds of questions we need to be wrestling with. I think, uh, Dave, the important thing for us to understand is weak doesn't mean bad, and strong doesn't mean good. Sometimes our minds go there, and what's kind of fascinating is our English words, strong and weak, may not fully capture what you know. Paul was trying to communicate to a first-century audience. They would have gone, oh yeah, strong and weak. I know exactly what you're talking about. Today, in the 21st century, we're going, strong or weak? Hmm. But it seems that, uh, first of all, with regard to strong brother, weak brother, strong sister, weak sister, that these are both folks who want to uphold moral integrity. They want to honor God by their choices. So it's not an issue of one sinful, (laughs) the other isn't. But they both want to honor the Lord. But with the weaker brother, we could say, this is a brother or sister who are at a certain place where they're still being spiritually developed, especially regarding gospel truths and the grace of God. And so their consciences are still kind of in a, a, a development place. And they don't have the freedom of conscience to make certain choices okay. that maybe a stronger brother could. And in Romans 14 in particular, um, this is probably a, a Jewish Christian who says, you know, I, I just I just can't eat that pork. I know yeah. that they serve some pretty good ro- uh, ribs down there, on uh, down there in Rome. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I can't eat those ribs yet. And, and there's some great wine I've heard about too that, but that, that wine it was, was dedicated to pagan gods. I, I just, I, I can't do that. And I really, ever since I was a little boy, we learned from grandma and grandpa that you worship on Saturday. I, now that I've become a Christian, I want to continue that and, and, and worship uh, Yeshua on Saturday. The stronger Christian comes along and says, well, um, he has a more developed conscience. He has a broader grasp of gospel truths. And so he has a freedom in his conscience to make certain choices. And again, these are not wrong choices or right choices, but uh, he has, she has the freedom of conscience to do things that maybe the weaker Christian couldn't. Now, here's where things get off the rails real quick. Um, It's like, and and Paul addresses this, it's when folks start to insist, like the weaker person is still, because they're still formative, the stronger person could say, you should be able to do this. What's wrong with you? Come on, man, you got freedom in Christ. And the weaker Christian could possibly go, yeah, okay, I guess so. And so the problem that's developing here—it seems like the stronger Christians are wanting the weaker th- uh, Christians to do things that their consciences won't let them do—and mm-hmm. now things go sideways. Okay. And judgmentalism, mm-hmm. uh, condemning and despising. Look what you made me do. Well, you're just a judgmental. You're a legalist. No, you're you're just against being moral. And so you know a lot of stuff gets thrown at people. And so Paul is trying to address, how do we we love one another despite so many differences about non-essential things? Mm. So that's, I think, what's going on with the weaker and the younger, or the weaker and the stronger.
0: Yeah, right. So that's, yeah, that's big. Um, and, And now to kind of help shift it to our time a bit and to understand, because am I right that from our view, we look at it, and we we can use terms like n- n- non-essential. Mm-hmm. But to the people there, like in this time, some would have viewed these as salvific, right? Yeah. Some would have viewed it as well. Either no, you are you are um, participating in work You're breaking the first commandment. You're and and the second. You're participating in worship of false gods mm. by eating these things yeah. that have been. Dedicated to these false gods and then others would would say well, you're um, You're you don't you're not truly leaning on the finished work of Jesus Because you're applying these other rules to what he said is enough, right? And so I don't want to do too much of a sharp left turn, but in this season we're in this COVID-19 Pandemic that none of us really expected or came we kind of find ourselves reacting Mm. maybe even revealing um what's there and some of the accusations that you brought up that would have been used things like fear and 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 i don't know that anyone said well if you're wearing a mask or you're you don't want to open up the economy Mm -hmm. yet or something like that um i don't know if anyone would go so far as to say that that you you're not saved Mm -hmm. but words that are pretty closely connected like Mm. well you're you're fearful Mm. You don't trust in the sovereign power of God mm-hmm. to protect his own. And then, um, am I right? And then I want to kind of hand it back over to you to, to interact with some of this. There's also an economic aspect in what they're going on, right? Mm. It's, not, it's not shoehorning too much to think through. There would have been people, a part of this early community, that would have really been impacted economically.
1: Yeah, by I, what's going I'm on. thinking like, hey, I can't worship I can't worship on Saturday. I got, I got to work. I got to make a living. So I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to worship on Saturday.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: because <laughs> I got a, I got a family yeah. to feed.
0: Yeah, or or I'm I'm Gentile. I I grew up in this. I, I've now put my faith in Jesus. But the, the family business is one of, um, you know, we're butchers. We we deal with and so yes. we sell meat. And now all of a sudden, by condemning this. How are we going to put food on the table?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, so with that, maybe um, we talked a bit, and, and so yeah. How about just interact maybe with that about as we kind of move into how these how we can think through the application of our own hearts, our own context today with what's going on here in Romans fourteen. Anything else you'd add with that?
1: Yes. Yes. As then, so now there are disagreements among Christians um, over things that are, shall we say, non-essential. And over the years, Christian theologians, uh, pastors, uh, Christian thinkers have called these questionable things or disputable things. And I think the best way to understand what questionable things are from Romans and then building a bridge to the 21st century is that questionable things are cultural and social practices, social and cultural preferences, convictions that we have, choices in the way we live our lives that the Bible doesn't speak mm. exclusively to, and over which godly, committed Christians disagree. Okay. So questionable things have always existed and they always will. Now, I don't know about you, Dave, but when I was growing up as a young believer, questionable things included, should I go to R-rated movies or should I not? Mm-hmm. Should I own a luxury car or should I not? Should I, well, you fill in the blanks. What mm-hmm. were some for you?
0: Oh, um, I mean, I think I've actually shared this before. Um... Alcohol, for oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Is, is one that even given like my own fa- family background and then different theological um, kind of backing or, or, or traditions I was a part of, yes. um, was Pentecostal, then Southern Baptist, uh, then um, uh, PCA, oh, Presbyterian Church in yeah. America. And even there, I mean, if you know anything about those different traditions, approach to alcohol um, and the dancing, I mean, yes, yeah, secular music. Um, yeah, things like that were, were some of the kind of hot-button hot issues.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those issues are for sure things that, you know, are worth some good discussion. But I think today, um, Dave, there are probably some even more potentially divisive issues mm-hmm. that we as Christians need to think about. And, um, yeah, for example... Mm-hmm. How does the church respond to racism in the world? I mean, Christians do not agree on that. Um, soon, uh, you know, state, some of the state governments are saying, um, you can't reopen church now. And some Christians are going, well, why not? Uh, the marijuana places are still open and the tattoo parlor places are open. My constitutional rights are being violated. I want to be back in church. And other Christians are saying, eh, we can wait it out. So I, I think those are really potentially divisive. But I do think, Dave, as you and I have kind of talked before about this, it seems like our political preferences hmm. and political convictions are probably where this Romans 14 uh, principle of questionable things really it can be brought to bear because we feel so strongly about these convictions political yeah. convictions yet there's such disagreement with mm. among believers even maybe even our even a redemption two song yeah yeah On.
0: i'm there are um, <laughs> i can i can assure you um, so so then with that right i think you you began to open this earlier and i think this would be worth us kind of diving into there are things that we well in fact probably across the board right we should have a. Opinions. I think that's something that we talked about. Verse 5 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Mm. Each one should be fully convinced in his own Mm. mind. Mm. So we're not talking uniformity. Right. right? There's unity, there's uniformity. But then there are things that, and this is where... um, I don't want to get too kind of confused in this or clunky right but as we talked about there are things that we should like say Martin Luther stand up and say here I stand I can do no other so help me God yes Um, in that case talking about justification by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone yes yes right and here I stand I I cannot say that anything else is needed but then here we walk through a passage where there's an encouragement to um, about how we hold things. Mm-hmm. And, and so I guess this is a multifaceted question. Maybe first, just so we can kind of land on what we talked about earlier, what, how should we think through what things to stand firm on? Here I am, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. What things should we say? we we disagree on that and, and we need to break fellowship. We need to acknowledge we're not worshiping the same God if we're disagreeing on these things. And what things should we say? I have a strong, not only opinion, in some cases a conviction, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to differentiate with those. I believe we should worship on Saturday mm-hmm. or we should on mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to continue to worship with you and continue Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. fellowship with you. So how should we differentiate Mm. in those things?
1: Yeah, yeah. Years ago, I used to teach uh, this class uh, in a grad school there at Grace University, and I'd give the students the assignment, this is your doctrinal priorities assignment. What are the to die for doctrines that you would have? And students just... Some of them loved that assignment. and Some of them did not like, I'm so confused, Dr. Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know what I believe. (laughs) But I would say, and you help me with this, Dave, but I think when we're talking about top-tier doctrines, we're talking about God is Trinity. Jesus is God. Salvation is by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. Um the word of god is inspired and authoritative for faith and practice i would see those as top-tier doctrines is there anything ma- else maybe to add to that i i have to
0: tell yeah no i think though i mean obviously i mean you mentioned the true of god you could dive into those things you know the 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 person of, of, and work of, of Christ, you know? You, so yeah, I, I think, and then obviously the, the scriptures.
1: Yes. Yeah. So one of the things I used to uh, have fun with students is, I said, what would you die for doctrinally? Mm. And uh, some of them didn't want to die over when Jesus was going <laughs> to come back, or they didn't want to <laughs> die over uh, whether, you know, uh, you know, you speak in tongues or not. Mm-hmm. But but it, the assignment got folks to thinking, and okay. and I think that can be a helpful little tool. What yeah. and what are the things Christians have died for through the centuries? That can be a helpful way wow. uh, to you know develop doctrinal priorities in our own thinking. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. then. That's good, and that's helpful. Um, so then we we get here, right? And so say we kind of help people see, okay, these are the top-tier things, what we're talking about right here are not top-tier things, but they still matter, Mm -hmm. right? They matter to each of you individually, they matter to your neighbor. You you think you're strong and I'm weak, I think I'm strong and you're weak, Um, right? What is So how do we then, even now kind of applying it back to our time, and how do we be unified but still Right, be fully convinced in our own minds, still yeah. be true to the things that God has, has laid heavily on our hearts that we've discerned from the scriptures. Yeah, um, you know, f- for example, we say this if you're a m- member of Redemption Church, you can, um, while we are believers' baptism, we're credo Baptists, um, we will say people can be members. Um, If they believe in what's called Prado-Baptist, right? Infant baptism. If you agree not to be divisive and you have a biblically defensible argument Mm. or or defense Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. why you believe that. Mm -hmm. So we're acknowledging some things that, okay, you can be convinced and by the scriptures, Mm -hmm. you can believe that. Well, we would disagree on that. So how do we then be unified but not just think we all have to think the exact same about everything?
1: Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, I am drawn to this passage here where, it's, this is a provocative statement that Paul is making in verse 21. Hmm. Um, and this whole thing of stumbling is fascinating too, Dave, because it's not the same as, will I offend you if, no. I, if I drink wine? But the stumbling here is, am I going to lead to the, ru- the ruin? Am I going to hinder the spiritual development? Am I going to break down the unity of the body wow. by the exercise of my freedoms? Wow. And sometimes we just need to stop and think and pray and say, okay, as Paul did, it's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything... Nebuchadnezzar paraphrase that hinders the spiritual development of your brother or sister. Whoa, that is that. That's pretty. You know, Paul is willing to say, "Okay, I won't drink anymore."
0: Wow.
1: Um, okay, I won't. I won't go to uh, the R-rated movie anymore. Um, to put
0: Passion of the Christ.
1: Yes, that was R-rated. Yes, yes it so, was, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I, I
0: won't go watch that.
1: But that is, I tell you, that takes some real spirit, Holy Spirit work there. Wow. You know, I, okay, I won't do it anymore. But he also seems to say, uh, the faith that you have, have between you, uh, yourself, and God. And so what Romans 14 really is, it's, a, it's an arena for conscience development. And I think what Romans 14 really does is it helps us to, ha- to have some alone time with Jesus and just say, hey, Jesus, tell me, is this wrong what I'm doing? Is it wrong for me to play secular music in a bar where there are people getting drunk? Jesus, is it wrong for me to work as a bartender where, where people are getting drunk and making a lot of bad choices? And... and I really think that that Romans, that verse right there, verse twenty-one in chapter fourteen, is powerful. And and we have to think about how our impact breaks down the unity of Christ. Mm -hmm. I think the stumbling, ultimately, Dave, is more an issue of unity. What am I going? What am? Are my choices going to create disunity? And as an old. Pentecostal preacher used to say, the devil hates harmony. (laughs) The devil hates harmony. And so I think we have to really think deeply about how our choices affect the unity of our church. The unity, maybe even our friendships, Christian friendships, our marriages. So, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking uh, as you pose that question conscience development you know you can be an old dude in your 60s still developing your conscience and I think it takes a curiosity on our part it takes a civility on our part it takes a humility on our part to try to you know Mm. understand okay Dave why you know why are you What not why are you doing that Dave yeah but it's more like Dave so you say you can serve, work as a bartender and you have a clear conscience? T- yeah. Tell me more about that. I, mm. I'm curious to know about that. So yeah, wow. just having this kind of gracious dialogue. Because mm. see, we do want to have discussions, yeah. but we want to do them in ways that pursue peace and leads to the mutual upbuilding of one another.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's big. Um, so as we kind of land the plane, which I know we said, we knew this would go by a lot quicker, Yes, sir. At least for us.
1: Woo, that then, thing is going by I fast. I know,
0: right? It just won't won't stop. Um, but um, we, and we think about, okay, what does this actually look like? Something that we talked about a lot, and you just kind of, I think, transitioned into is posture. And mm-hmm. what it looks like to engage, and you mentioned humility. Something I, I heard um, earlier this week was... Um, that humility means your first flinch is being untrusting. Mm. You know, that sounds weird, right? It's like, what does that mean? Of, of yourself. Mm. And that there should be a healthy check of, okay, what might I be missing? And, okay. and what, what might I not see in this moment? What yeah. might I, and, and I would love to dive into that and talk about that more um,
1: Maybe we can make that part three.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. We could. I mean, we've got some. We've got some time um, <laughs> coming up here. we um, But but with that, what do you think? How can we? Wh- and we talked about when we engage social media,
1: mm.
0: when we are across. You know, when we're face to face in conversations, as a church, as we now move back into, um, again, thinking through politics. Oh, thinking yeah. through covid 19 and opening and closing and how to do it and when to do it and all these things Um, and then you talk about different theologies some of which we brought up here and not um you know whatever it might be what what would be our kind of what now
1: yeah yeah How, how would
0: we go from here and really consider
1: yeah i i have been thinking a lot about that and here's the question that i came up with um What what are we willing to set aside for the sake of unity? We're not willing to set aside truth. We're not willing to set aside gospel truth. But what are we willing to set aside so that we will live in harmony as Christians? Um, I think one thing that we can set aside is the need to be right. Mm. Now there's a difference between holding the truth and the need to be right. Sometimes as Christians, we feel the need to be right because it displays obedience to Christ, it shows our boldness, and it shows how the gospel is a countercultural message. But I do know that for a lot of the Lord's people, and I would include myself, that the need to be right is driven by pride, by fear, and the need to be in control. So one thing maybe that we can ask the Lord to let go of and set aside is is the need to be right. What are we willing to set aside for the sake of unity? Are we willing to set aside arguing with brothers and sisters and um, casting judgments upon fellow believers over matters of secondary importance? Um, Well, that's where social media can be so tempting. Mm. But here's the thing. I know that most of us, we don't send scathing things on our Facebook pages and our tweets necessarily. But I do know that in our hearts, we can be very judgmental toward other brothers and sisters. In our hearts, we can hold other believers in disdain. Uh, Dallas Willard, the great teacher on the spiritual life, uh, he, in his 70s, and he was known as a, to be a, just a gracious, mm. humble man, but he told people that I still hold disdain for brothers and sisters, wow. and it's a work that God has to do in my heart. Mm. So I, I think we need to be willing to set aside even those internal judgments we have, those internal despisings of other Christians, and, and give those to the Lord. Um, because, you know, outwardly we can look pretty good, mm. but inwardly we can be going, yeah. so I think those are the kinds of things we want to be willing to set aside for the sake of unity. We're not wow. setting aside truth. Yeah. We're not a setting aside gospel, but maybe it's the way we present the gospel and wow. live out the gospel
0: wow. that has to change. That's huge. That's huge. Well, I, I would love to keep going, and like you said, there might be a part three that we'll um, circle back into, ne- not ne- next week, but um, with that, then why don't why don't you go ahead and close us out in prayer and m- maybe to transition into that? I'll just read again, chapter fourteen, verse seventeen, which I know we talked about a lot um, mm. and have certainly ma- mentioned, but and then that can that can catapult us into closing in in okay. prayer, as it says in verse seventeen: for the kingdom of God is not a mm. matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and
1: peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's let's pray. Our loving Lord, wow, thank you for the wisdom of your servant, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this, and of the Holy Spirit, how he guided in these practical instructions for these Roman Christians. Lord, Dave and I and we as a church, we do want to embody the truth of Romans 14:17 that your kingdom is about upholding moral integrity, your justifying righteousness in our lives. But we want your peace and your joy to attend to us as we live this righteousness out. And we need your great help especially when we have such disagreements uh, about things as Christians. So we give you the permission, Lord, to do the necessary work of maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Will you give us help? Will you give us success? And will you make your name famous in Tucson, Arizona as a result? We pray in the mighty name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen.